What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Keep It Posy podcast. My name is Jasmine, and this is episode 43. Before I get into this week's guest, I want to introduce you to this week's nonprofit organization being featured in the Posy Spotlight. With the help of this week's guest, I learned about Na Conservation. Na Conservation is a group of young professionals from diverse backgrounds working on research and education projects to conserve tapir populations in their habitat in Costa Rica. Tapirs are close relatives to rhinos and are similar in shape to pigs with a short nose trunk. Utilizing the expertise of its members, Na Conservation works on research and conservation programs to generate scientific information, empower local communities, educate and create public awareness around the taper to ensure its long-term survival. If you would like to learn more or make a donation to Na Conservation, you can visit naconservation.org. Na is spelled N-A-I. I. This week's episode features my friend AJ. AJ and I go all the way back to 2012. AJ has played in several bands, which include, but are not limited to, Sundressed, Weatherbox, Crasher, and Tiny Stills, just to name a few. His latest project is Glow in the Dark. And this past Friday, Glow in the Dark released the Glow in the Dark EP. It is awesome. In this conversation, AJ and I talked about the music he's been working on, his introduction to punk and emo, his marching band days during high school and college, that first concert experience, mental health, and so much more. Here's my conversation with AJ on the Keep It Posy podcast. What's up, dude? It's AJ. <laughs> oh, you know, I'm just uh, just working on this this band and getting getting back ready to like actually do stuff again. It's funny because obviously we haven't been going to shows. Yeah, and I'm just like, I want to keep doing this podcast, and I don't know how I'm gonna make everything work. But I'm like, I cannot stop. I can't stop doing this because I'm having fun with it. But it's like I gotta figure it out. I probably won't sleep, but it's okay. Oh uh, yeah, because you gotta like edit and find time to do all of it. Yeah, and then like everyone's schedule is different. Right. So it's also finding that time. I mean, and then working from home has helped a lot because you're not dealing with traffic and then you could sleep in. Yeah, it's definitely been a nice thing for a lot of people. It'd it'd be sad to see everybody just have to go back to the office buildings. I was telling, um, do you remember my friend Rob Nagelhout? Bass, right? He plays bass. He played bass in Days of Light Gravity. uh, I was telling him over the weekend that I think that they should take all the office buildings and turn them into like um, like housing, you know, like in all those business parks that you pass by, like when you're driving from LA to San Diego. Yeah. Just turn it into a big old like housing 
mecca instead of business parks because people can do this from home now, you know? And the other thing, too, I'm thinking about how people will not be wasting as much gas. Yeah, right. Like, not wasting as much gas and not, like, driving as much so you're not, like, polluting. There's so many benefits to not having to go into an office. I know, dude. Not having to really dress up if you work in corporate. But, yeah, dude. So, you... I've been doing a lot always, all the time. <laughs> um, but recently, you started off glow in the dark with mm-hmm. a single, Sunshine is Boring. And then after that, you did, you released Kickstand. Yeah. So, like, Sunshine, Sunshine is Boring was kind of like, like the proof of concept of the band. It was like the first. Like when I started the band, that was the only song that I had. And I I recorded it just because, um, you know, it was last year and lockdown was in full effect and the protests had just started and I was going to a lot of protests and like seeing my friends for the first time again, which is like weird. And so um, I was like super depressed and I was like, I just got to make myself happy. So I like went and recorded a song with like all my friends. I recorded the vocals with Rob Nagelhout and I recorded um, the guitars and bass with Mike Pepe, who did like Sundress's last album. And he's like a, like a dear friend of mine too. And uh, yeah, I got um, my buddy Jordan Crimston from Weatherbox and uh, we, we play in like five bands together. It's ridiculous, but I got him to play drums on it. And then I was just like, cool, that made me happy. Like, that did what it was supposed to do. I made a music video for it that, like, me and my girlfriend, we shot ourselves. It was super fun. And then I, like, on a whim, I sent it to Dark Horse Coffee Records, um, which is, like, I don't know. if you Have you ever been to a Dark Horse? It's, like, a coffee roaster in San Diego. I haven't. I, I love them because they, they're, like, they've always been really, really music adjacent. Like all of their t-shirts are like weather bot or sorry, not with Rex, um, like jawbreaker ripoffs or like, um, they, they have like a Sonic youth t-shirt that they had repurposed. And, uh, so I sent, I sent the song to that label. They have like a small record label and they were like, this is cool. Like, do you want to have a meeting Saturday? Like, let's go. And then, and that's <laughs> kind of how it became like a real band. Sick dude. And then, you're all like, all right, I'm going to throw it into the world. And there's a new EP. Yeah. So the first thing that, that uh, Daniel from Dark Horse wanted to do was like, what's your next release going to be? And we kind of decided that it was going to be like a, a longer-ish EP. So there's six songs on it. Um, and all of them except for the last song on the EP, which is like an acoustic track, Um we recorded it at singing serpent in San Diego with like Daniel producing and engineering and mixing and mastering (laughs) the whole thing. So he, he like really just got to like go to town on, on these like five songs that I had. And then the sixth song I had recorded that with um, my buddies in Yumi and everyone we know when I was like on vacation in Philadelphia or in Pennsylvania. Sick dude. It's funny because um, ever since I've known you, you've been in all these bands. <laughs> and 
And so I'm just like, and I've told you this before. I call you the Connor Oberst of pop punk. <laughs> so I'm just like, because it's true. You know, he's had his projects and all that. And the other day I was like, dude, I've known AJ for like a really long time. Dude, we have known because each other for a long time. What it had happened was I was doing some project for Vagrant and then you applied to be an intern there. And that was like, I mean, dude, when I was working on that for them, that was almost, that was like nine years ago. Yeah, it must have been because um, I got that internship from our mutual friend, Rebecca Poisoner. Uh -huh. um, she, she like hooked that up. Um, and I started that in my senior year. But I don't think you were there for like the first um, little bit that I was there. And I, I went on my first tour with Weatherbox. And I came back and you were there and you had your own like little office alcove thing where you were doing your research. Uh -huh. And uh, yeah, and that's, that's how I met you. I think the first thing that we talked about was Tiger's Jaw. Do you was it really? That? I think it was. Oh, wow. Man, they've been around. Oh my God, dude! It's 2021. Stop. I know. <laughs> um, wow, dude, that's crazy. Dang. Good. I mean, those were some awesome days too, dude. Um, yeah, they were. Are you originally from? You're from San Diego, right? Yeah, yeah. Born and raised San Diego, and oh, then okay. I was going to I was going to college up in LA. So that's how Vagrant happened sick dude so i always ask this question most mm -hmm. of the time what is aj's musical journey from the <laughs> moment he learned about music and was introduced to it all the way till now oh man <laughs> um well i was i was born in san diego <laughs> raised in san diego and uh my parents were both musicians so like uh, we grew up with like me and my brother grew up with really good music playing all the time. We were listening to like the kinks and the police and queen and the Beatles. And so music was like always kind of a part of my life in that way. Like, you know, I remember like jamming on bongos and stuff while my dad played like Beatles songs on guitar and stuff like that when I was like a little, little kid, but it didn't become like, uh, like a super, important thing to me like it is now like it didn't become like an obsession until middle school because that's when uh everything in everyone's life is horrible and <laughs> i was like getting bullied and i hated school and um it just sucked and so then like that in the seventh grade the bass guitar became like my sole coping mechanism for dealing with middle school and at my first lesson they showed me blink 182 and I just like fell totally in love with that because I think it, it had a lot to do with the fact that they were from Poway, California, which is where I was from. And, they, and the teacher was even like, like, you know, you're going to go to the same school that they went to and all this stuff. So it like felt like I had role models and like the chorus of damn it is just like, I guess, well, I guess this is growing up. So it was like three dudes from like my neighborhood that hated growing up as much as I did. So I was like totally in love with that got into more punk bands like like Green Day and Descendants. Um, and then this is actually something I've been excited to talk to you about. The next year, I found this book called Nothing Feels Good, Punk Rock Teenagers and Emo by Andy Greenwald. And like, 
that book is so many people's like entry point into like this genre and like all the stuff that we do. It was one of the first things that me and Rebecca talked about. But yeah, and so yeah, you got a copy right there. Yep. <laughs> Mine's in the next room, but I still have it. And, like I would I would just read that book and like every day I would write down the new bands that they mentioned and then I would go home and try to like illegally download the songs because like they like they didn't have mineral at like the CD store at the mall, you know, like you weren't going to be able to find that. And so I would just do that every day and like went all the way from like minor threat to like rights of spring all the way through Senate real estate and jawbreaker. And then like, yeah. So ever since then I just wanted to be in bands and that was the only thing I ever wanted to do. That is sick, dude. Yeah. It just feels like at one point, growing up you hit that moment where even if you have friends they may not have been into the same music that you were into right um yeah especially like i felt like in high school i thought i was like one of the only people that knew about some of these bands and then like i got to college and still kind of felt that way but then i don't know now i don't know what it is but like there are so many people like you and like people that I've met on tour and playing shows and I'm in bands with that where I'm like, where were you in like middle school when I needed you to be my friend? <laughs> and the answer is we were scattered all over that. <laughs> yeah. And we just became this big fat ball of music nerds. <laughs> um, yeah, now, now we all go to fest. <laughs> oh, dude, I know. I hope it happens this year. I know some people are kind of iffy yeah. and are asking for their refunds now. Really? Yeah, I've been seeing people post about it in the Facebook group. Okay. Um, you know, some people just asking like, hey, like, how's everyone doing as far as, you know, have you guys booked hotel rooms? How many have booked their flights and all this other stuff? But yeah, dude, no, I get that. Because, yeah, no, I totally get it when it comes to high school because I don't know if you had this issue. There were some kids at my high school, like the punk kids, who were just like talk all this smack about how like if people were into emo or pop punk or whatever, like we were posers. And I'm just like... <laughs> And I don't know, that was just not, yeah, dude. Yeah, I I, I don't know. Like, I, I, I think I got lucky in high school because, like, I was in the marching band. Mm -hmm. So there was, like, you know, already, like, we were mingling with the upperclassmen and stuff like that. We, were, we all had band classes and rehearsals together. So, like, that problem where you would see somebody cool wearing, like, a cool band shirt, but you're like, oh, I don't have any classes with them. Like I did, ha I got to have classes with those people because like I was in band and also like for some reason at my high school, being in the marching band didn't make you a nerd. Like every other high school in America, like people were just like, you know, thought it was cool that we were in marching band and stuff like that. Or at least we all thought we were cool. So there was no, it was like a total game changer when I got to high school and I felt like way more welcomed and able to like actually make music but the problem still was that i didn't like really know anybody that like like knew who saves the day was mm -hmm. which sucked because i thought it was the only person 
and that was like my favorite band, but um, they did, they were really into ska music, which was for some reason, like the four years that I was in high school was like the most, it was, it was a good time for ska in, in San Diego. And I, and um, so I agreed to like be in a ska band before I even knew what ska was like, <laughs> they were like, Hey, we just need a bass player for our ska band. And I was like, bass player, I can do that. Cool. And then I was like, what is ska? <laughs> I have no idea. And then I was like, Oh, it's just, it's just like pop punk with horns. I got it. Yeah, dude. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah, I didn't really know anyone in high school who listened to ska. Yeah, I'm like... Mm. Really? Um, that's, so, that's so funny. But, but for me, I found out about ska because of compilations. Mm, yeah, like Warped Tour compilations or like the... Um, well, like a Run for Cover compilation or something? Yeah, yeah it was Warped Tour. Um, and then... Some of the epitaph stuff. Mm, yeah, yeah. Like, or that's just how I found out about bands that weren't getting radio play. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I remember, like, when I got into Joyce Manor, which is one of my favorite bands ever, I, like, heard them on the radio for the first time, which I thought was, like, super weird because I was like, there's cool music on the radio. <laughs> And then, uh, then I think a dead to me song came on after that. And I was like, what is happening? And it was like this cool radio hour, I guess that was, I just happened to be lucky enough to catch. <laughs> what station was it? Uh, I can't, I can't remember uh, LA radio stations, but. Was it Joe Sibbs radio show that he had on 98.7? Oh yeah. It was definitely 98.7. So, and it was at night. So. Okay. I know. Yeah. It had to have been his cause on a Sunday, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, because I, I remember it being like, this is so random that at this time right now they're playing like all this sick music. That was, like bands that I was actually like waiting for them to say the band name after the song ended so I could like check them out, you know? So. Oh, dude, that's sick. So you talk about marching band. I knew you were in marching band from a while ago that we were talking. Uh, yeah. What was the first instrument you learned how to play? What do you play? Oh, I, I started playing the saxophone in fifth grade and I still play saxophone. Um, the most recent thing that I did was uh, I played, I did a sax solo on one of Garrett Dale's solo songs called Dead Body. And so I will play saxophone, but I, I, uh, only if you ask. <laughs> oh, dude. Yeah. Sick. Do you, do you listen to Alex Leahy? Oh God, that sounds so familiar. What is that? She's um, from Australia. Okay, that sounds really familiar. Why do I know that? Yeah, I'm sure you've heard her stuff or like have seen photos of her. But I was just gonna say, oh, you should do one of what cover one of her songs where she busts out the saxophone. Oh really? Yeah, dude, it's so <laughs> sick, man. Like that's cool, dude. I know she's she's awesome, um, but yeah, uh, you is it alto or tenor? Um, I started on alto, and then I switched to Barry sax in oh. the um, in the seventh grade, and that's what I played all the way up until I got to college. In the in the marching band in college, they wouldn't let me march a Barry sax, so I switched to tenor. Um, and I'd say 
I prefer them in that order. Barry first, then tenor, then alto last. <laughs> wow, dude, that is so sick. Hold on, dude. You, I didn't know you were in band in high in, in during college. Yeah, yeah, I did marching band, um, the Trojan marching band for two years, and that was really cool. That was a lot of fun. But then, like, I could never go on any of the trips that they were doing, like. Uh, just because I always had like a class that I couldn't miss. We had like mm-hmm. fixed music classes. I, I went to uh, I went to college for songwriting, which is weird. But um, yeah, we had classes that we just absolutely like could not miss, and there was always a band trip that that interfered with that. So that's why I quit. It wasn't because I didn't like it. It was just because I wanted to focus on my school. That is so cool, dude. Yeah, I always, I always loved marching band. That's sick. So you got alto, tenor, Barry, mm-hmm. guitar, bass. What else do you play? <laughs> uh, I can write really cool drum parts, but I can't play them at all. <laughs> and I guess I sing. Oh, and ukulele, I found out, is just the top four strings of a guitar. So, like, I can play ukulele, I guess, by if, I, if you think of it that way. <laughs> Dang, that is sick. Wow, dude, that's cool. So it throughout high school, you're in marching band and you meet people, you start hanging out with people and learning about other bands. Is that right? Uh yeah, well everybody in college especially was like um, you know, it was this this brand new major that we were all doing that only twenty-five kids were in. And so so everybody that all those 25 kids were all like my, my friends and like they all came from like different backgrounds and stuff. But the thing is they were all like, I felt like so much better at music than me. I, I was like, I felt like it was in way over my head um, with some of the kids that were like in that program. Um, and so the first year of college was kind of tumultuous for me because I was having a little bit of an identity crisis um, but then I came around after like sophomore year and getting used to college and everything like that. And then I started starting bands with those kids and some of them like Rob Nagelhau, I met him like freshman year of, of college and it was just like, you're going to be my best friend for the rest of my life now. Cool. All right, done. Um, <laughs> and, and so many other people like that. So actually how, um, how I joined Weatherbox was I met Griffin Kistner, who was their drummer at the time in, or at. Uh, USC and he's actually from San Diego and we had been to a lot of the same shows at the Che Cafe and we knew all the same bands and just had never like bumped into each other and so we were friends all through college and he was the first one to ask me to go on tour so that was you know I I I guess I owe a lot to the connections and the people that you make in college that's sick dude I think freshman year, we all have an identity crisis. <laughs> Dude, whatever. It, out it wasn't the only one like, that we talked about, and everybody else was like freaking out. It took me a minute too, to get at, to adjust. And it's weird because I, I didn't move out. Like, you know, I just, I mean, the school I went to is only like 20 minutes away. So, but I think it was just knowing that, like, it's not every day and they're like each class is like two hours long or whatever and parking sucks and 
you eat whenever you want and you know it's kind of, <laughs> so it's just getting used to that i'm sorry what was your friend's name that you met in college weatherbox oh um griffin kisner he was the the drummer in weatherbox at the time um, oh, okay that he asked me to play and it, it was cool because i i just remember like um our friend rebecca poisoner she was like helping me like like manage my like solo acoustic project and kind of like giving me advice and stuff. And then she showed me a front bottoms video and I watched it and I was like, Oh, that was cool. And then like, didn't really think about it until uh, Griffin hit me up like in the, like, the final hour of my senior year where I was like, what am I going to do with my life? Like <laughs> vagrant records, isn't going to give me a job. Like I gotta, I don't know. I don't really have, a lot of bands that I'm playing with at the time. And he just texts me in the middle of my James Bond critical studies class, which was a real class that I took. And uh, I got the text and he was just like, Hey, do you want to go on tour this summer with the front bottoms? And I was like, uh, yeah, I'm down. Like, <laughs> so yeah, it helped me, helped me uh, have a little bit of, of uh, hopefulness at the end of college. <laughs> and that tour was amazing. That was like the the most fun that, I'd ever had and I, I was like oh yeah I was totally right about like this is the thing that I want to do because that was awesome and I didn't want it to end so was that your first tour yeah first tour ever wow I'd like I'd like never even really played like like two or three consecutive shows <laughs> like in different cities or anything like that like not even a mini tour it just went full-on like it was almost a full U.S. tour too so I got thrown into it but it was very natural. It was like, this is everything I'd always wanted. Like just, you know, four friends in a van being idiots, like showing up whenever, you know, showing up late to sound check. And the front bottoms were like popping off at the time. They, they had just released Talon of the Hawk and they were kind of like, they were freaking out. Like they were selling out the venues, you know, which was super cool. Like we would, we would play in like 300 or 500 cap venues and it would be sold out because of like the front bottoms. And that was kind of, I think it was like a newer thing for them that, that was happening. Who was on that tour? Were you guys direct support? We, yeah, it was only Weatherbox and, um, and the front bottoms and then like local openers at each of the shows. But then I think the second leg of that tour, um, a great big pile of leaves took Weatherbox's spot. So it was kind of like, you know, half with Weatherbox, half with great big pile. Oh, dude, that is so cool. Because <laughs> you've been in all these bands, when did you join or start your first band? Oh man, I'd, I'd always had bands like all, like even before, like I got to high school and I didn't have any friends to start a band with. I like had like a solo project where I like recorded myself playing like really bad drums. And then I would play that recording really loud through my computer speakers and then record bass over it. And then just like, and then do guitars in like each layer the quality is just degrading further and further. Like, I wish I still had those to hear what they sound like. But um, so I'd always had bands, but like the first, I, I started Days of Like Gravity right after that first Weatherbox tour. Cause I'm like, okay, this is how you be in a band. This is how you like play shows. Like I gotta, you know, I want to start my own project like that. And 
until and like that that ended and I, I think in like 2016 and then glow in the dark was the next thing that I did so that was like a four year gap of having like a band that I was like the front man of or the only front man of oh wow dude uh, <clears throat> sorry and then you have these other bands that you've been in or are currently in mm-hmm yeah, I mean, I, I guess right now, I the pandemic, like, canceled so many plans that, like, all these different bands that I play in had, like, Weatherbox had really cool plans that we had spent, like, months getting ready for. And then it was just like, oh, that's not happening. Future Crooks was recording an album. We had to stop that. Luckily, this band, Crasher, that I just started playing with, I, th- I think you got, uh, you got to see us play at the Hi-Hat. Yeah. Um, well, luckily we got our record out in enough time to like have gotten to like play some shows on it and stuff like that locally. And then Sundress, I would say, uh, other than you know, other than various other projects that I am like a hired gun for sometimes, Sundress is the other band that I like spend most of my time with. I joined that band because I <clears throat> met them on Weatherbox tour, actually, my first tour. They were just the opening band in Phoenix, and we became friends. <laughs> Dude, that is sick. I'm just like, this guy has been, I don't know how many bands, because I've seen you, your soul stuff, mm-hmm. Weatherbox, Sundressed, right. Crasher. Oh, Matt Casket and the Breaks. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think the one show I saw you guys was when you opened up for um, Radar State at the Slide Bar. Dude, that was one of my favorite shows ever. Like, that band's dynamic on stage is wild because it's like the Get Up Kids bickering and then the dude from the anniversary is just in, in between, like, trying <laughs> trying to, like, hold it together. And then a rad drummer in the back. Yeah, that, oh my God, that was such a fun show. Um, but yeah, Matt Casket uh, is like rolling out um, a full length right now. They're releasing like a song a week until all the songs are out. And I actually got my test press vinyl back in my, my record player back there. That was pretty cool to get. So yeah, hopefully like once once we get the like, you know, once it's safe to play shows and once like, everyone sort of figures out like the infrastructure and stuff. Like there are festivals that I'm just not even playing, but going to where they're, they're still like, we're figuring it out. Like give us a minute. But once we're able to like fully get back into it, like I plan on just doing nothing else. Like I'm going to go even harder than before just cause I missed it so bad. And yeah. Yeah, dude, that radar state show. I don't remember if you guys had posted about it or if Radar State had... I'm not sure who posted about it first. But when I saw that you were going to play, I'm like, oh my God, this dude must be losing his mind right now. I was, dude. Yeah. Because like half the band, or I mean, except... Well, all the members except one, like they were all in the anniversary and get up kids. And that's vagrant history right there. So it's, Dude, I, it's I full love circle. The anniversary. Like that that was especially like a band that I had no chance of in high school finding like another friend that was into that band. But I loved 
Designing for a Nervous Breakdown is one of my favorite records. Did you go to when they had their anniversary thing? It, um, that's a fun, that's a funny word to say when the anniversary had an anniversary. <laughs> um, at whatever that festival was, Taste of Chaos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you go to that? Did yeah. I see you at that? Yeah. I just assume that you're at everything that I'm at. So, <laughs> but I didn't. <laughs> Yeah, so like getting to see them live for the first time, I was like, oh my God. And they only had like, they had like a one weird t-shirt for sale. And I was like, whatever, I'll take it. Same with Hot Rod Circuit. They played that too. And I, I like definitely oh, died yeah. inside. It was so good. Damn, dude. Yeah, that was... Dude, fun times. The two years that they brought it back, that festival, I'm like, yeah, dude. Because I went to it the first time they ever had it. I went to the, the Long Beach date, and it was just hands down. It was awesome. I regret not going to it the year that Thrice played it. Um, oh, yeah. But it was hard, too, because I was in high school, and it was during the week, so I didn't have a car. But, yeah, dude, those... Man, fun times. Definitely. My car broke down um, in the parking lot uh, right before. Like, so I had, like, driven to Taste of Chaos. My car, I knew when I turned it off that it was never going to turn back on again. And I was like, I, I have to go see Hot Rod Circuit. I'm <laughs> sorry, car. Like, <laughs> I did manage to get it back on, though, and I, like, drove sketchily all the way home. Right, again. <laughs> well, what, had ha what happened to it? Uh, the transmission had died. It had like 200,000 miles on it. It was definitely just, its life was over, but I was like, just get me to this one last show, please. <laughs> oh, dude. Were you living in LA at the time? I don't think so. I think I might have moved back to San Diego at that point. So I literally drove it home with like every like check engine light on and like it was overheating and I was driving like well under the speed limit with my my flashers on and yeah it was it was a bad it was a bad time after like one of the best concerts i'd ever been to best festivals oh dude well at least you got home safe it sounds like <laughs> <laughs> dude that poor wow that yeah that's crazy dude what was your first show it was blink 182 and no doubt at the um the Coors Amphitheater at the time. And that was, that was awesome. My cousin took me to it, but it sucked because she, she saw the show in the pre the previous day. It was a, it was a double headliner. So they were switching off like no doubt one night blink one night, obviously no doubt played in the OC. And then when blink played San Diego, obviously they headlined, but my cousin saw no doubt was playing and was like, Oh no, dude, we must've missed blink 182. Like, I know that no doubt is the headliner. So that sucks. And then she was like walking me back out to the car. I was so bummed. And then we heard like the opening riff for feeling this. <laughs> I was like, I hate you. And then she brought me back in and begged the like the amphitheater like security to like let us back in. And they totally did. And then I saw my first concert and it was great. Oh my god! <laughs> it can never just be simple, can it? But yeah, that was. What was your first concert? It was Thanksgiving weekend, two thousand three, a Friday, mm -hmm. November twenty eighth, I think. Wow! <laughs> um, 
at the Long Beach Arena, Eve Six was opening, Goldfinger oh. was direct support, and the headliners were Gert Charlotte. Dude, what a sick show. Yeah, dude, it was sick. And that was my freshman year. Good Charlotte was my favorite band at the time. They were wrapping up the second leg of um, touring for the Young and the Hopeless. Mm -hmm. And so they were like all over MTV and the radio and all this stuff. But I'm sure it's the same feeling that everybody else gets when they're at that first big show. Lights are on, bands on, everybody's singing. And you're just like, dude, I don't know what this is. And I don't know what's going on. But you're just like, I want to do this all the time now. Yeah, totally. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, you, that, that feeling def definitely like washes over you where you're just like, like slack jaw, just being like, this is my favorite band. And they're just like ripping. And like, and, and I don't know where you were in the crowd, but I was like as far back as you could possibly be because... I think those were like what the cheap tickets were, but like even then it was still just like, oh my gosh, that's Mark Hoppus, that's Tom DeLong. Like I'm losing my mind. I remember like getting anxiety actually a little bit, like at some of the shows. Like I saw Green Day and then I saw them like bring someone on stage and I got like this feeling of anxiety, like, I want to meet Green Day. I want to meet them so bad. I want to tell Mike Durnt that he's cool. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And I think when you're younger too, you're just like curious or you or you wonder, man, they probably party all the time. They're hanging out backstage and it must be like the coolest thing. But then, I don't know, I guess because I've had the experience of being in the, on the production side at festivals. Right. It's, it's, it, it's act, it could be actually pretty crazy. And I understand now why <laughs> each band gets their own dressing room because they need that privacy to, you know, relax and just, especially if they've had a day full of press and all this other stuff. So, true. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, everybody has their personal stuff. And I think that's why people um, are more vocal about mental health. Because we don't know it. I mean, when we were younger, who was going off? You know, you had big artists like, you know, I don't know, Black Eyed Peas and Britney and all these other people. And after doing all these world tours, it's like the 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 first thing they probably want to do is just go home already because of that exhaustion. Right. That nonstop touring. And I, I don't know, dude. I honestly, you don't think about it when you're a kid, but. Definitely not. Yeah. Now as adults, it's like, I understand now why sometimes it looks like they were having a meltdown, but really it was more like they were probably just asking for help. Yeah. Yeah. And even if they were just like kind of mean, like back, like if you caught them on the way to the, I don't know on the way to the venue and they, they were like kind of rude or something. It's like, it's not cause that person's a jerk. It's because they've been like on week five of like a, you know, of like a three month long tour and they, they miss their families and stuff. Like I get it. It makes sense to me. Um, yeah, dude. But at the, at the time, yeah, it's like, you don't even think about that. They're, they're just like, they're just like these magical figures to you when you're, when you're a kid, like, 
and 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 to to think like going back to like you know when my when my like my very first guitar lesson they were telling me about like blink 182 that was like crazy to me because i i would see blink up on like a big stage like that and and be like totally mesmerized by it and then just remember like oh they just came from poway like like sombrero is down the street from the like house i grew up at so it's it's kind of like saying like you can do this too or like um or maybe just that 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 band was extra special for me because you know they came from where i came from and i think for people that aren't in bands like myself it's more like again you go to your first show you're like you're there, but you have no idea how much work goes into putting a show like that. And it's kind of like, I think a lot of people try to go into the industry because we want to be able to give back to a place that did so much for us. And we want to be able to do that for those that are now learning about all these bands. Right. Yeah, definitely. I mean, even as like, um, I don't know. I, re- I remember going to see bands like, D- do you remember the band Daphne Loves Derby? Were you ever into that band? Yeah. We talked about this. They were like my favorite band in high school. And like, I went to go see them play at this like random coffee shop that like somehow let them have a show there, like with a full band and everything. Um and when they like rolled up in like the 15 passenger van, I was there early because of course, and like, they like just walked right by me and like went to the coffee shop or whatever. And I was like starstruck by this very like, you know, like a band that wasn't as big as Blink-182, but I was just like starstruck by that. And like, I've been like at that show before I've been that band booked at the weird like coffee shop show since then. And it's just kind of funny to think about it like being on the reverse side of that, they were probably just like, what was that kid's deal <laughs> out in front of the coffee shop? Um, yeah. So definitely like, like now knowing what we know, it's like, we got to give a bigger break to artists that are like struggling and like, um, you know, stressed out on the road, but also like we got to remember what, what those, what, what music did for us as kids and stuff like that. So yeah man daphne loves derby they were just so underrated dudes i i would kill for that reunion i would like wherever it was if it was in alaska i'd buy a plane (laughs) ticket right now dude there was only (laughs) one other person when i was in high school that knew who they were um (laughs) and and yeah dude they should have been bigger (laughs) dude yeah they were so good I got, um, I don't know. I, I, I'm like, I've, I've like messaged the bass player. Um, his name's Jason call. I've like had a couple of conversations like over like Facebook messenger with him, just like retroactively, like, like for my, for my past AJ self being like, what year was the Mustang bass that you're using? Okay. It was a 64. That's really sick. Okay. <laughs> Um, and I was like, what was that bass amp that you had that had like the tuner built into it? Oh, it was a Fender Bassman 100 or whatever. Cool. I just needed to know. Thanks for that, man. All right, peace. 
Dude, that's funny. What was the first album you ever bought? Backstreet Boys Millennium on cassette. <laughs> Ooh, that is so sick. <laughs> I, have a, I, I remember because, oh my God, I remember I almost bought like an ABBA cassette because I, I liked ABBA. I was, I don't know, I was like nine years old. But I, I, I'm so glad that I got Backstreet Boys instead because that, that's a way cooler story. <laughs> I bought an ABBA cassette. Dude, heck yeah, man. Dude, that album is so good. I mean. Yeah, dude. They hold uh, up so well. Like Black and Blue, if you go back and listen to that, that record, so good. Dude, th- that era of pop music, I mean, not to like not acknowledge the other eras um <laughs> but I, I i think it's because we when they, those bands were coming up like we were just discovering music we were learning about it right but yeah dude that album uh, i'm gonna ask you because i've done this before when people bring up one of the two groups <laughs> backstreet boys are in sync oh backstreet boys all day i'm sorry <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> to me there's it's there's like never been a competition i've always just like obviously backstreet boys like nsync is great don't get me wrong the the sum of of backstreet boys is like i don't know just greater than the sum of nsync just like objectively i'm sorry <laughs> dude they I'm assuming you're the same, right? Or am I just talking mad shit right now? (laughs) No, dude, I'm a bigger fan of the Backstreet Boys. Um, Okay, cool. Again, same thing. Like, they're both talented. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't, I mean, (laughs) how many people could dance and sing at the same time, you know? Yeah, Um, it's hard. But I think for me, dude, it's just the songwriting dude and like i just like everything about their songs like their ballads just they're so good you know like yeah maybe if i saw in sync if they decide to reunite things my decision or my pick would change but dude backstreet boys have you seen them uh dude i've never i've never gotten to see either either live but i would i would kill for that now that would be amazing Dude, um, next time, whenever touring comes around, we're going to go see the Backstreet Boys because, dude, hands down, it's awesome. Yeah, definitely. But if, if we can just go into a little bit of, like, critical analysis of each band. So here's an example of where Backstreet Boys wins and NSYNC does not win. So NSYNC was trying to be topical and had a song, I don't even remember what the title of it was, but the, the chorus is like, digital get down just you and me and it was about like you know obviously like instant messaging people and stuff and like didn't really work doesn't really stick backstreet boys the call they sample a (laughs) like ringtone in it totally holds up (laughs) that is so sick (laughs) um dude that's i mean they're both bangers but the call the call, yeah, dude. The call is the better technological boy band song. And, and you know, at the time too, it, it was more relevant. Mm-hmm. I forget what year exactly those albums were released. 
It was probably the same year. I have to look. Cause that I think the call might have been a song. little later. Yeah, because the, the, the one from NSYNC was on No Strings Attached. And that was like, out, I think, when I was in the fifth grade. Damn. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'll check later. <laughs> um, but yeah, dude. No, dude. Heck yeah. I had no idea. And you had it. You bought it on cassette. Do you still have it? I don't think I still have it. But next time I go to Amoeba, which has a new location now, I will look for that cassette specifically. I've been amassing a pretty good cassette collection, actually. Dude, that so. is so sick, man. Yeah, dude. I feel like you could take any like really cool lineup that would be cool to us and just put either Backstreet Boys or NSYNC on the bill and no <laughs> one would like bat an eye. Like it could be like uh <laughs> the Flatliners, the Menzingers, and the Backstreet Boys, and I wouldn't be like, oh that's weird. <laughs> oh dude, like, that's you wanna a sick show. I'm gonna go to that. <laughs> dude, you wanna know why? Because I think our scene appreciates that. Like, I feel like we all just love that music. Yeah, and, like, you know, you could get made fun of for liking any of those bands or for liking anything, really. And that's, that's like, so... That's, like, such a place where all of the bands that we care about came from was, like, this, like, alienated, maligned feeling. And we're, like... You know, like, hell no, we like the Baxter Boys and we don't care. And we can finally say it and, like, not give a shit, you know? Um, oh, yeah, dude. Um, because mm-hmm. we're all over. And if it wasn't for the music that we liked since we were young, we wouldn't be together in the right. same scene. So, and that's awesome because we accept people. Awesome. I mean, dude, we could go really into it and be like, yeah, dude, we, don't, we don't care. As long as you're not out there hurting people, pop music is just so good. <laughs> it is. Um, yeah. Just all music is great. I've been, I've been trying to like get into stuff that I haven't listened to because I spent, you know, a whole year of not going to see new bands. So, you know, I've been trying to like do it on my own and just find like, new music to listen to somebody told me about the band metric yesterday and i just never listened to them and i don't think i've listened to anything else since Dude, they are so good man and i was like how did i miss this one guys like come on they're yeah. i mean they have some bangers dude and they've been around for a while obviously and that's that's a fun thing because like i've just been listening to the songs like on like shuffle or whatever on spotify and so like whenever a song comes on i have to like check to see what album it's on and like stuff like that which is it's cool it's like getting into a new band all over again uh the reason that i i got into them is somebody compared tiny stills to metric and i was like oh i don't know metric so i'll I'll go check them out and oh i could hear that very sick i could see that yeah dude give me sympathy a great song i just have black sheep saved which i think might be a newer song that's sick yeah yeah dude i can't wait to can't wait to because you you're somebody who will like if the cool show is in san diego and you live in la like you'll drive down or like you know 
if we have to drive to Aladdin Jr. or like VLHS or wherever and we're living in some other part of California, like we'll do it. And I can't wait for that again. Like and seeing people that you know at shows that you didn't know were gonna be there. That's gonna Yeah, be cool. dude. Um and I there's been a couple of people who I've had on the podcast that we've talked about how sometimes you're kind of hesitant about going to a show because you don't know if you'll bump into someone there. Like if you're not already going with someone like you're carpooling or you're like making plans to meet up with a friend or whatever, you're like, oh, I don't know if I should go. And then you end up going and then it's like, oh, hey, dude, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. You bump into people. Yeah, that's the best, especially like because I – I always go to a lot of shows alone because like even back starting in high school, like I didn't know anybody else that like Daphne loves Derby. So every time I saw them, I was, you know, I was just by myself, you know? And so I'm like oddly like comfortable with that um, now. Cause like you only have yourself to worry about, but it's even better when you show up by yourself and then there's just people that you already know there. Like, that's great. Yeah, dude. Yeah. And and then there are those times where you just don't bump in, into anyone, but you're like, dude, I don't care. The band's playing right now, and I'm having the best time. Yeah, and you can you can act extra weird because <laughs> you don't know anybody, and they'll never see you again. <laughs> and you won't be the only one who's being extra weird, so it's okay. Mm-hmm. Totally. Oh, man, I'm so excited for shows. This is going to be a good year. What three bands, dead or alive, would you play a show with, and where would you play? Um, <laughs> I, I I feel like I've listened to dozens of episodes of your podcast and like didn't I took for granted like how hard this question is to answer <laughs> when you just like say it like that. Oh man, um, I would love to play a show with like I'd love to go to like like. Gilman and play like a show with like Green Day, Jawbreaker, and some other and Daphne Loves Derby. Let's say that, <laughs> even though that would like not <laughs> work at all, it would be that. That's the show I would want to play. There you go. It's Jawbreaker been decided. Would probably headline. <laughs> it's been decided. If anyone in any of those bands is listening invite has been thrown out into the world i will open that show at like 6 p.m or whatever i'll take the slot no one one, no one wants curveball what which one of the bands that you've played in would you would you play that show oh shit um man i'm already like rethinking my initial answer now this (laughs) Harder. Uh, I guess I would say Glow in the Dark just because, you know, we haven't even actually played a show yet. So if our first show is opening for Daphne Loves Derby, Green Day, and Jawbreaker, that'd be a pretty good first, first show. So, yeah. There you go. <laughs> it's been decided. Daphne Loves Derby, Green Day, and Jawbreaker. If you guys Maybe- are listening... Maybe saves maybe like Chris Conley is there and he like jumps on stage with one of the bands to do like a surprise duet or something. Oh, that would be sick. That's part of it. 
<laughs> oh, dude, yeah, I forget you're a big fan of Saves the Day as well. Yeah, they're they're my favorite band for sure. They can do no wrong in my eyes. Did they play Taste of Chaos? Yeah, they, they did. did. They did. It was oh. uh, it was amazing. I like. Cause I, it was weird. Cause I, I remember seeing like Chris Connolly's guitar and his guitar amp on stage, but he never actually played guitar in the set. So I got to imagine it was like a mat, a la- like like a last minute decision that I didn't want to sing on the set. So that made it even cooler. Like that it was like a almost almost like a curveball set for them, and it was that good still. Yeah, dude, I remember that he was just singing. Yeah. Um, Oh, man, fun times. How do you keep it posy? How do I keep it posy? Uh, you have to plan things into your day and into your week that you know make you happy. That was especially like a big thing during the protests. I, I remember even like the the people organizing the protests were like, take time to like do stuff to make yourself happy in between these like big depression fests that were like, that are so important, but like, you know, you got to do the really, really hard work and stuff like that. And, you know, sometimes overthrow the government or whatever it is you need to do, but then you also have to make yourself happy in between. I knew that like recording songs with my friends is like surely the way to make myself happy. So that's uh, how my band even got started. So if there's something you like to do, plan it into your week and like, don't skip it. That's how you keep it posy. Yeah, dude, you're right. If you want to find stuff to bum you out, it's so easy to find <laughs> that out there in the wild. And, you know, especially everybody's been a lot this past year. And I think like such a simple solution as like, you know, like I'm in therapy and sometimes my therapist will say something that's like so obvious to me that like anyone could have said it to me. But the fact that it's coming from my therapist, I'm like, oh, duh, that's what I need to do. Like, it's so simple. You know, sometimes the solution to stuff like that is really simple. Like you just need to, if there's something that you like to do that makes you happy, like make sure that you take time to do that. And that's it. Like it'll make your whole week better. Yeah, dude. Yeah, even if that thing is, like, watching Star Wars makes me really happy, like, just make sure that, like, 7 p.m. on Thursday, you're watching Star Wars and, like, nothing's going to change that. (laughs) And, you know, that'll, I don't know, just little silly things like that will definitely help you through this crap that we've all been going through. Yeah. Now, if you're watching the part where Luke finds out about his father, no, I'm kidding. I don't know. <laughs> I've heard the EP, and it's awesome. Thank you. But I cannot pinpoint, based on what you like and the bands you like, I just feel like you kind of mixed it all up and threw it in a blender, and that's what came about. I don't, I'm not sure if I'm right or wrong. Maybe. Um, I think that, like, I don't know, because you, you've heard my, like, my like first attempt at this band. Like, Days of Light Gravity was pretty much what this band is trying to do. Just, like, you know, a 
now a wiser, better, more experienced version of that. And yeah, I think I've just like, I've gained a lot of different influences over the years. I've like, there's some like odd time signatures and stuff like that on the, on the EP that I, I used to never really mess with in my own music. And I'm definitely like at this point willing to try new things that I haven't done before because like I've been in bands for so long. I've like had projects that were my project for so long that now I'm like, I still want to do that. That hasn't gotten old, but like I, I'm, I want to like take more risks and do newer things for me, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that that's probably, that's probably why you're hearing some, some new little weird things in there. Cause I'm just experimenting now. Sick. Yeah. What would you like? to tell the people what would you like the people to know any last words i hope i see you all at fest that's all or if you see me at fest and you recognize me and you want to have a beer with me i will totally have a beer with you let's go (laughs) let's go are you going to go are you playing with someone um i so far, I, I think I'm I'm playing with Tiny Stills, um, and then I, I'm a couple of my other bands are on like alternate lists, so it might be more than them. So that would be cool. That would be rad. Honestly, even if like I wasn't playing, I would just go this year because I need that. And also, the lineup is ridiculous. Dude, I forget you play with Tiny Stills sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> they asked me to play uh play fest before it got canceled uh-huh. the first time around last year and then when they reannounced fest i kind of like slid back into the dms and was like do you guys still need a guitar player like a year later um so yeah dude, i totally forgot about that man dude it's like next time i, I next time you're on dude i know right um kaylin's awesome Next time you come on the podcast, I'm just going to write a list of all the bands you've been on. Because I'm just like, dude, you have a whole resume. (laughs) You have a Wikipedia page yet? No. Dude. So that was my conversation with AJ. I had such a blast getting to learn things I didn't know about him. If you would like to follow AJ online, you can follow at Glow in the Dark Band on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you again to AJ for being a guest on the podcast. If you haven't yet, please check out the Keep It Posy podcast playlist on Spotify. Kickstand, the latest single by Glow in the Dark, has been added to the playlist. And just for fun, songs by other bands that AJ has been a part of have also been added to the playlist. Some of those bands are Sundressed, Weatherbox, Crasher, Matt Casket and the Breaks, Watashi Wa Dance Party, and Tiny Stills. This Friday is Bandcamp Friday, which means Bandcamp is waiving the revenue share on all sales and 100% of the proceeds will go to the artist. Please consider buying music from artists that day, including the new Glow in the Dark EP. 
As always, you can hit me up via email or social media, keepitposy.com for all the contact info. Thank you again to everyone for listening to another episode of the Keep It Posy podcast. Please take care of yourself and watch out for each other. Stay posy always. And remember, life is like a mosh pit. If you see someone fall, you gotta help that person get back up. Mm-hmm.